Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to just go ahead and jump right into it tonight, but you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Colossians again, and uh, I'm going to try to finish what I started last week about the blood, and this week we're actually going to get into the blood and what it does for us. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us to the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And I'm just going to title this again, The Blood of the Lamb, Part 2. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together in this house tonight. Lord, we pray, God, that as your word goes forth, you would speak to us and touch our hearts tonight. And we give you thanks for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you clap your hands one more time and just thank the Lord. Amen. And you can be seated. It is sometimes seen as a little old-fashioned, but it is true still remains true that the blood is against the workings of Satan. I believe every now and again it will do us some good to go back and take a look at the blood and the power that it represents. Some of the critics of Christianity have made statements that they did not want to be a part of a gospel or a ministry because there is so much blood in the scriptures. From cover to cover, you will find a bloody trail. From the coats of skins that covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve to the animals that were slain in the Old Testament tabernacle to the spotless lambs of the Levitical priesthood to the blood that was extracted from the lamb and applied to the doorposts of each believer's home. All the way to the bloody cross and sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ. On and on and over again, you will see a bloody gospel. The Bible has said that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the gospel, too, is in the blood. Without the blood, we have no gospel at all. The cross was exceptionally bloody. And I'm concerned, especially in my generation that and the generations to come that there has been a shift and a focus to become more excited about Pentecost and all of its wonderful works and I'm I too am glad about the liberty of Pentecost and the gifts of the Spirit and all that happened on the day of Pentecost but there's one thing that must be noted and that is there is no Pentecost without a Passover. There is no Pentecostal experience without first a Passover. 
it was at the Passover that the blood was shed. And if there is no Passover, there can be no Pentecost. You can't have Pentecost without it. There is no newness of life, no born-again experience until the death of the old, the cross, had to come before the upper room. And so it must be in our own lives. While it's great to shout and it's great to feel the moving of the Spirit and the wind of the Holy Ghost, there must first be a death. There must first be repentance. There must first be a shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no moving forward. Just like you couldn't move forward in the Old Testament tabernacle without first being at that altar and that brazen labor, you cannot move into the presence of God unless you have first been to the altar. I didn't come to preach that tonight, but I want to let somebody know, if you want to experience all that God has for you, you cannot bypass the altar. You don't have to clap, but it's the truth anyhow. I'm afraid we're raising up a generation that loves to see those walk out of the doors and they just want to run and shout and dance and there's nothing wrong with that, but you cannot get a hold of God without an altar. Just like that Old Testament sacrifice, there was no remission. There was no rolling back of sins until there was an animal slain and the blood applied. And so it, we see it reflected in the New Testament. There is no born-again experience until you first pass through the cross and the work that it brought. There must be a Passover before a Pentecost. Sin took life from Adam and Eve. We talked about that last Wednesday night. The only acceptable recourse for life taken is life given. In Genesis 3 and 21, it says that God took the skins of an animal and made clothes for Adam and Eve. In essence, blood was shed to cover the exposed flesh of Adam and Eve. As life is derived from blood, the first animals were slain to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable because it did not offer blood. There was no life given for life in return. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes an atonement. And all throughout the Old Testament, the blood of animals was shed to cover sin. However, the possibility of those sins being totally wiped clean would require a sacrifice like no other, a perfect and sinless sacrifice, which only God himself could provide. Luke chapter 18 and verse 19 says, There is none good except God. Romans 3 and 23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God had to come up with a plan. While the Old Testament plan would roll away the sins back for another year, God had to come up with a plan that would not only roll them away, but would wipe them out, wash them clean, and present to himself a bride who was now spotless and clean. 
And so to redeem his fallen creation, God had to present himself a perfect lamb, a spotless lamb, a lamb that had no sin, a lamb who was pure and undefiled. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us that God immediately already had this plan in motion. He says in verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This verse contains the first promise of God's plan of redemption for the world. It predicts the ultimate victory for humanity over Satan. God promised that Jesus Christ, who would be born of a woman and would be bruised through his crucifixion, yet he would rise from the dead to completely destroy Satan, sin, and death for the sake of our salvation and for the entire human race. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. In other words, all are now justified by grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. His blood was shed on the cross and because that blood was shed and it was so perfect and pure, His blood made an atonement for you and I's sins. His blood was not like any ordinary blood. His blood ran from his side of the pure, spotless, without sin, and undefiled lamb. That blood was powerful enough that it could wipe away every sin. It could cleanse every stain. It could redeem any life that had walked on this earth. It was blood powerful enough to wash away any sin and redeem any life on this earth. Without a doubt, the blood of Jesus is the most precious gift our Heavenly Father has given to His church. Yet so few Christians understand the value and the virtue of this precious blood. In the Bible, the blood was spoken of in two ways, the blood shed and the blood applied. Most of us know about the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. However, few people understand what it means when we refer to the blood being applied to us. We can first learn of this applying of blood in the Passover found in Exodus. The last plague, the death of the firstborn, introduces us to the Passover. God promised that after this plague, the Israelites would be set free from Egyptian rule. In verses 4 through 6 of Exodus 11, Moses described the nature of the plague. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill." and all the firstborn of the beast, 
And there shall a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. Exodus 12 contains a gold mine of truth. It is full of significance for us. As death was the last of the plagues, so the second death will be the last and final judgment upon those who have rejected Jesus Christ. God's method of escape for the Israelites portrays exactly his plan for our escape from the second death. Just as God spoke it to Moses when he was taking him out of Egypt. To take you a lamb, bring it in your home, a lamb that is without spot, without blemish, a lamb that has not been touched or has a defect in any way, a perfect lamb. And in four days you are to kill this lamb and apply his blood upon the doorpost. And just as they did that to get out of Egypt, God took that same plan and rolled it into what we call the New Testament. And that sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, was slain for you and I. And we are to take his blood and apply it to the doorpost. I said apply it to the doorpost of this temple in order to escape the second death. Amen. Amen. A lamb became the substitute. Out of their flock, they were to choose a lamb without blemish. If they carried out every instruction, God would accept the death of this lamb as a substitute for the death of the firstborn. The penalty for breaking the laws of God is death. And since everyone had broken his laws in some way or another, the death sentence has been pronounced over everyone. The only possible escape lies in that God provided a lamb without blemish whose death he will accept as a substitute for the one who will believe in it and live. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, you were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ was without spot, for he knew no sin. No wonder the group of the redeemed is called the church of the firstborn, for Jesus took the place of the firstborn in death. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13 says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, He said, when I see the blood, not when I see all the works that you had to go through or not that I see that you once had a, a, a lamb out here but it's gone. No, the only thing I'm looking for is the blood. I'm looking for the blood. If there's no blood applied to the doorpost, this house is going to experience a second death. But if there is blood applied to this doorpost, we're going to pass it over. And the same is going to happen in the day of the rapture and the day of judgment. If there is blood applied to your life, then Jesus Christ's judgment is going to pass right over you. 
That's what's going to happen in the judgment. In order for us to be judged faithful and for order to us to be judged righteous and here well done, the only thing Jesus is going to be looking for is, is my blood applied. Has my blood washed those sins? I said it last Wednesday, but the Bible tells us books are going to be opened on our judgment day. There's going to be a book of life, which is the Word of God. And then there's going to be our book. The book of our life is going to be opened. And it's going to list every idle word, the Bible tells us. Every deed, everything we thought didn't get seen or didn't get heard, God's going to have it all recorded. And the only way we're not going to be judged on those works that went against His Word is if there is a big, bright, red blood stain applied on the pages of my life. Amen. And so it's way more, it, it's, it's way deeper when you're baptized in Jesus' name, it goes way beyond just making a statement of faith. You're entering into a covenant with Jesus Christ. A covenant that says, if you live for me, if you allow the old man to stay in the grave, and you allow this new man that's coming out of this water to live, then I will withhold my judgment from your life and I will walk with you as your God and take care of you and bring you into eternity with me. That's the covenant. That's the covenant. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers and saying anybody is doing it wrong, but I think a lot of times we overlook how important our baptism really was. I mean, hear me, I, I, some of you probably already want to stone me, but I want to tell you that when we enter this covenant, we are supposed to be bound to it. God takes this seriously. He binds himself to us in the waters of baptism. He says, here, I'm going to put my name on you, and I'm going to put my blood upon you, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. That's me binding myself to you. But you've got a part of that bargain as well. You are to present yourself a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable and should be your reasonable service. But a lot of times we come out of the baptismal tank and six months, a year, two years later, we kind of start slacking on our end of the deal. The word ain't as important as it was when I first got the Holy Ghost. Prayer is not as urgent as it was when I first got the Holy Ghost. Church attendance just ain't on the top of my list as it was when I first got the Holy Ghost. We're slacking on our end of the covenant. See, we never view it that way. Well, I got baptized. That's great. But do you know you took on a covenant with Jesus? It's just as if you drove down to the dealership and you signed your name on that dotted line and told them that I, I'm going to pay for this. If you give me this, I'm going to pay for it. When you got in that waters, Jesus said, I'm going to sign my name on you and clear you from any debt. But at the same time, you got a promise to live the rest of your life for me. I'm going to put my blood on you. 
going to put my name on you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. There's so much more we get in the deal than we realize. Think about it. Brother Beard used to talk about that all the time when he used to teach me my Bible study. He used to say, Brother Jeff, think about the trades that Jesus is getting. This old beat up sinful lifestyle for what we're getting. We're getting his name. We're getting his blood. We're getting his spirit. We're getting a second chance at life. So why in the world would I not want to make this covenant as important in my life as Jesus takes it to be important in his? Jesus made a, made a trade. Jesus gave us life, gave us a second chance. He gave us an opportunity to bypass the second death and judgment and to live with him together in eternity. You better believe I've got to do everything I can to withhold my part of the covenant. I don't have enough time, but you could really get into this. But there's a covenant. Just as God bound himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, God is binding himself to us. And part of that binding to us is in this blood covenant. Amen. But the blood had to not only be shed, but it had to be applied to fulfill its purpose of protection. Please understand, as long as the blood was drained from the lamb and sitting in the basin that they would put it in, it still served no purpose. It was just blood shed. But it wasn't until it was lifted out of the basin and applied with that brush upon the doorpost of their hot life, that's when it became affected. Just as being a Jew wasn't enough to save them from the second death. They were God's chosen people and God said, yeah, but you still need a lamb. And you still need some blood. And just as being a Jew wasn't enough to save them, just because I'm religious and attend church is not going to be enough to save me. I have to have blood applied to my life. You might not agree, but it's the word of God. Your good works aren't going to save you. Your faithful attendance isn't going to save you. Just because you give to charity and don't smoke cigarettes, that's not going to save you. Thank you for doing all of that. But that's not what saves us. What saves us is when we hit that altar and we repent of our sins and we die to our old ways and then we let a man of God lead us into the baptismal tank and put that old man under the water and then speak the name of Jesus over us. And let me just throw this in here for the debate of whether how we should baptize. If it was Jesus' blood that's the only blood can wash away my sins. Why wouldn't I want his name said over me in baptism? It ain't Father. It ain't Son. It ain't Holy Ghost. It's Jesus' blood. So Jesus should be spoken. Peter didn't have it wrong. Peter understood 
Jesus hung on the cross. There wasn't three on the cross. There wasn't titles on the cross. There wasn't other names. There was one on the cross, and his name was Jesus Christ. And so Peter said, when you get baptized, the only way you're going to get Jesus' blood upon you is you've got to be baptized into him. I'm not trying to, to, to offend anybody, but I come out, of, when I was a little boy, I come out of something that was teaching us totally different. And I had a hard time with it. But it's in the Word. Jesus is the one that died. The angel told Mary, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus was the only one on the cross. You know, it's funny, the denominal world has no problem praying in Jesus' name, blessing the food in Jesus' name, praying over you when you're sick in Jesus' name, but they don't want to baptize you in Jesus' name. If Jesus' name is powerful for all of that other stuff, don't you think it should be spoken when you're baptized? It's only one name. Only one name, Acts said only one name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. So if you believe baptism is a part of salvation, which it is, then there's only one way you can be baptized. And that's into the name of Jesus Christ. Is that all right? So they took this lamb, and the Bible says for four days they took this lamb from the flock. And what's really interesting to me is this lamb, they would have to make sure that nothing happened. This lamb had to remain spotless. This lamb couldn't, couldn't have a, a, a tear on the ear, couldn't have a tick in its fur. I mean, it, it had to remain spotless in order for the shepherd to keep the lamb spotless and perfect, he would bring this lamb into his home. And for four days, the lamb would roam around his home. The lamb would sit at his table. The lamb would be in and out of his living room. The lamb would be in and out of his bedroom. The lamb would wander all up and down the hallways. The lamb would be by his children. The lamb was invited into the home and the kids would get acquainted with the lamb. And the kids would know why this lamb was chosen. And these kids would be introduced to the lamb that was going to take their take their place. That's why it's so important that we let the lamb into our home. We let the lamb sit at our dinner table. We let the lamb linger in our bedrooms. Hello, somebody. We let the lamb waltz up and down the halls of our home and let him go in and out of our children's bedrooms. Our families need to know the lamb. They need to get acquainted with the lamb. They need to understand who it is uh, that is giving themselves for them. know the lamb. 
this lamb went into the kids' bedrooms at night. This lamb sat in the master's bedroom. The lamb walked around his living room. The lamb walked around his kitchen. It was in all part of his house. It was involved with his kids. It was involved with him and his wife. And the Bible said that uh, if the next door neighbor didn't have a lamb to, to present to the Lord, you could invite them over. If you had enough lamb, you could invite them over and they too could be a part of this sacrificial lamb. intrigues me is the day that they were to prepare the lamb for the Passover. The Bible says they were to cut it, drain it of its blood, and then they were to cook it. And they were to eat every bit of the lamb. They had to eat, Brother Rodney, until they were full. They had to consume every part Not only did they have to have his blood, Brother Keith, but they had to consume his body. They had to consume his body. Jesus was not saying some weird uh, uh, ideas at the Last Supper when he said, this is my blood and this is my body. You must drink of it and you must eat of it. He was referencing the Old Testament when God told them, I want you to eat every bit of that lamb. Don't let anything remain until you're full. And Jesus said, in order to be in this new covenant, you've got to have my blood. But not only do you have to have my blood, but you've got to partake of my body. So thank God you were baptized, but you also got to partake of the body. You got to have the word. You got to consume the word. You've got to eat the word. You got to know the word. Every part of Jesus has to be consumed. I used to tell my young people, and even when I pastored for a little while, if I pick and choose what I preach to you from the Bible, I am giving you an incomplete gospel which in turn gives you an incomplete Jesus. And an incomplete Jesus can't save nobody. Might make you feel good for a little while, but it won't save nobody. It took all of Jesus to save us. So it's still going to take all of Jesus to save us. And so I can't cut corners. I can't say, well, I'll eat of the leg, but I'm not going to eat of the lower arm. I'll eat of this part, but I won't eat of that part. That's not what God said. God said, you've got to consume them. And Jesus said, you've got to eat of my body. <laughs> and so I can't stand up here and say that I'm going to live by this and live by that, but I'm not going to live by this. That's an incomplete gospel, and I'm not saved. The only way to be saved is I have to obey the gospel. The gospel, that's the only way. There's no loopholes with God. You won't get up to the judgment seat and pull your attorney on the side of you and say, show him what we found in the contract. There's no loopholes. God knew what he was doing when he wrote this. You're not going to get up there and say, hi, I got you, God. We didn't really have to do that. Everything that's written in that book, we're going to be judged by. We have to do it. We have to do it. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, you have to do it. 
You want to be saved? You want to go to heaven? You want to dance on streets of gold? I must have all of the Lamb. All of it. I must have his name, his blood, his spirit, his word. I must have his nature. By the way, if you study Galatians, it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit. You can't have one without the other because it's all one fruit. They all are together. So it's the fruit. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. And so we've got to have everything in us, church. If we want to dance on streets of gold and go to heaven, if we want to hear Jesus say well done, then we have to do everything he's asking us to do. We've got to make sure we have the blood applied to the doorpost. The benefits of the blood of Jesus, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm almost out. But the benefit of the blood of Jesus, the blood redeems us from our sins. Ephesians 1 and 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We are no longer under condemnation or fear. A lot of people have been redeemed and justified by the blood of Jesus but don't really realize it because they still live in fear and condemnation. But once the blood is applied, there is nothing to fear. Once the blood was put upon the doorpost and that lamb was a spotless lamb and you did everything God asked you to do and you put the blood upon your doorpost and you had your shoes latched and you had your clothes on and you had your staff in your hand when the uh, death angel passed, you had nothing to fear. And I want to tell you, when you go down into the waters of baptism, you have nothing to fear when you come out of that water because now that name and that blood is applied to your life and you don't have to fear Satan any longer. Come on, there's power in the blood of the Lamb. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. I know my God has washed me clean. have to fear. Just like a man who has built up a huge debt and can't pay it. And the boss comes in, takes his notebook in and stamps paid in full on top of it and hands it back to him. Jesus Christ, when you came out of that water, stamped paid in full upon your life. You no longer owe the debt to sin. Now you just owe your life to the one who paid it all for you. And his name is Jesus. Can you clap your hands and love the Lord? Come on, church, your sins have been paid in full. You are no longer in debt to sin. You are no longer a slave to the spirit of this world. You have the blood. You have the blood. Colossians 1 and 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Redeemed, pardoned, debt, forgiven, not owed, overlooked, released 
set out a decree that said this final plague before you relieve of this world called Egypt is I'm requiring the blood of every firstborn from every living thing. That was God's decree. And that's what was going to be owed on that night. But thanks be to God that he gave his people a way of escape. What kind of merciful and loving God would look at you and tell you you owe a debt. But if you do this, I'll let you free from the debt you owe. Come on church, we got a reason to celebrate tonight. God loves us so much that he would give us a way out. You know, some say, well, they're Jews and they deserved a way out. But quite frankly, they didn't really deserve a way out because they put themselves into slavery. And they decided to turn their backs on God. And so God didn't owe them anything just because they were Jews. And I've met a lot of Pentecostals over the years that think because they bear the name Pentecost, they're owed something from God. You ain't owed nothing from God. Everything God gives you is a blessing. You ain't owed nothing from God. I think a lot of people forget, Pastor, I'm the sinner and he is the creator. It ain't the other way around. this just accept Jesus? Who am I to accept Jesus? I'm the one that should be getting him to accept me. Well, <laughs> who am I? Well, should I choose to accept? No, I'm the one that should be doing everything I can in my life to get Jesus to accept me. I'm the sinner. church that says Pentecost, that God owes them healing, God owes them deliverance, God owes them financial blessing. God don't owe me nothing. I'm so thankful that God saw to it to not only give himself for me, but he still wants to provide for me in this journey. I'm thankful for that. But you know what? If he pulls every blessing from me tomorrow and don't provide me nothing until the rapture, I'm still going to live for God and thank him because he gave himself for me. He traded places for me. I'm not owed anything. God is owed everything. He's owed every thank you. He's owed every moment of my worship, every moment of my time. God is owed. I'm not owed. I'm not owed. I'm not doing God no favors by coming to church. Well, praise God. I'm not doing God no favors because I'm here. I'm doing myself a favor because I'm here. God's going to have a church whether I'm sitting in it or not. I've read the back of the book. God has a church. Whether I'm sitting in it or not, whether my name is written in it or not, God's going to have a church. And so I've just got to make sure I'm doing everything I can that he lets me be a part of that church. And so far he has and I'm so thankful that he has. And I'm grateful that I am. And I'm thankful that I can come to the house of God and love him and feel him. So we've got to have the blood. I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to close.
The blood gives access into God's presence. Hebrews 10 and 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That Old Testament priest could not enter the holiest of holies without the blood of that offering from the altar. And he couldn't just have any old blood. It had to be the blood of a spotless offering that was just offered. But because of that blood, if it was the spotless blood, if it was the blood that indeed went through all the protocols of its offering, it would allow him access into the holiest of holies. And now you know why when Jesus received his last breath on the cross that the veil of the temple was ripped. Because now there's only one vial of blood we need to enter into that holy place. And that's the blood that was shed on that cross. So through the blood, I have access to God. So can I tell you right here tonight, if you've been baptized in his name, you have his blood applied to your doorpost, you have access to the holiest of holies. You can step into the presence of God. Stop letting Satan tell you you're not worthy. Stop letting Satan tell you you can't go in. He's right. I'm not worthy to go in. But because I have the blood, because I have the blood, I'm able to enter in. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made close by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both those far off and near one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The blood gives us access and the blood gives us the victory Revelation 1 and 5 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood Revelations 12 and 11 and they overcame him who the adversary by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, maybe we can get a glimpse into understanding why our precious elders, when they used to get in a spiritual battle, used to just get out and say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Because they understood something. I'm not worthy to step in Jesus' presence, uh, but that blood that's applied on me uh, has made me an opportunity that if I just plead the blood, come on, if I plead the blood, I can get in uh, to the access uh, of the holies of holy. If I plead uh, the blood, I can have victory over my adversary. If I plead the blood, stand with me. I'm getting ready to close. I plead, there's so so much more, but I've got to, to close this out. And I, unfortunately, I, I, some of you may rejoice, but I, I won't be with you next week. And so I'd be out of town. But, so I had to finish this tonight. But church, I was so burdened last Wednesday to just, to just remind ourselves we've got something so powerful. I think a lot of times we forget about our baptismal day. It's just something that just kind of, 
comes to pass, but I've entered a covenant with Jesus Christ. And I've consumed of him. I've, I've repented. I've cleaned myself out and I've allowed the lamb to come in and I've put his blood on my doorpost. So now I can have victory in this life. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to have fear. I don't have to be pushed off by the enemy somewhere, bullied by my past. Honey, that blood is greater than your past. That blood is what washed your past away. Your past can't move Jesus out of your life. The blood can move your past out of your future. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. I wonder if we could just take a few moments here tonight. You want to come and pray? You want to just lift your hands where you are? I wonder if we could just thank God tonight for the blood. Thank Him for the name that's been applied to our lives. Thank Him for that day you were baptized in Jesus' name and you entered into covenant with Him and His holy name. Maybe you thank Him for some of the things He's given to you. Thank Him for some of the blessings He's poured out into your life. Come on, church, thank Him for the blood. Maybe you're here tonight and you're going through a situation. You're fighting a sickness. You're fighting a disease. There's some situations in your home you need God to move in. Maybe if you want to just start pleading the blood tonight. I plead the blood over my body. I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood over my lost children. I plead the blood over my church family. I plead the blood. Come on, some of you elders ought to step out in faith and just start pleading the blood over some things tonight. Come on, plead the blood over your mind if you're struggling in your mind. Plead the blood over your body if you're hurting in your body. Plead the blood over your lost children or your lost spouse tonight. Lord, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I loose the blood in the name that's been applied to my life. I loose it to do what it's been sent to do. I loose it to heal. I loose it to deliver. I loose it to bring salvation. I loose the blood tonight. Come on, I plead the blood over my children. I plead the blood over my grandchildren. Come on, I plead the blood over my sickness. Oh God, your blood can heal any sickness. Oh God, your blood can heal any disease. Oh God, your blood can touch any mind here tonight that's struggling. Lord, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.